before show starts, I just have something very quickly to say. Um, it is with sadness that uh, I heard of the uh, the passing of uh, the uh, the presenter of the uh, podcast shows. Take it away, and now hear this, Brian Brady, and uh, yeah, take it away itself is seen by many people in the podcasting world and particularly in the Beatles podcasting family as a uh, high a high benchmark. And uh, for me personally, it was a show that was my first uh, introduction to uh, Beatles podcast. Through the show, I was introduced to Kito Tool from um, Talk More Talk and I believe Ed Chen from When They Was Fab, although I'm not completely sure about that last one. It was a really good show. And Ryan and his co-presenter, Chris Mercer, were incredible hosts that knew what they were talking about. They showed how to really dive deep into a subject pulling apart the uh, the solo releases by Paul McCartney and basically making sure that they hit everything without giving too much of an explanation, but just giving you enough explanation behind the stories of those songs and those albums and how they were made, who was on them and these sort of things. And they also did really good interviews with people who've worked with Paul, such as uh, Denny Lane, who was in Wings from day one until the end, and Lawrence Juba, who was a guitarist towards the end of Wings. They always had a almost professional feel to the show and uh, it's just sad to hear of somebody of this happening to such a nice guy personally I've talked with the guy a number of times on the internet uh, and through emails back and forth he's supported me in this show that, that I'm doing Pods Like Us uh, and we, we were actually due to record a show uh, together um when this show goes out we were, we were due to actually record a show on the tuesday uh where i was going to talk to to ryan and chris from talk more talk and ryan's co-host um paul about their show now hear this uh ryan was a lovely guy always given a nice you know, always got really nice emails from him and messages from him. Um, and also, about, uh, as a side, um, he, he was also the vice president of Atlantic Records, but that's... So rest in peace, uh, Ryan, and 
condolences to his friends and his family. You'll be missed and you really did make a mark on so many of us. like us. I'm Martin Quibell, known to my friends as Marv. Now, before we go into the main body of the show, I thought that I would thank people who have been kind enough to leave reviews for the show. Now, the truth is that for the most part, episodes are recorded far in advance, with half of the episodes for this present first season having been recorded before the show even started to be released. I've received some reviews from people, and that has been a sign to me that the show is resonating with some makes me feel much better about doing the show. So before we get on with the show, I thought I'd just give a shout out to the users known as Pookie Bear, Mississippi Indie Mew. I think that's probably supposed to be Mississippi Indie Music, but they ran out of characters. Uh, Glass Onion 75, who I think is actually Anthony Rotuno from the, the Glass Onion podcast, who I talked to in an episode earlier in the season. And uh, the other person who's left a message is The Thick of It. And uh, if that's the actor Peter Capaldi, then that's awesome, but doubtful. As a show that's only been going for a short while, any feedback is incredible. Anyway, now on with the main show, whereby the magic of editing, we will go on to the final episode of season one, where I'll be having a general chat with some friends of mine. Hello and welcome to Pods Like Us. I'm Martin Quibell, known to my friends as Marv. Uh, this time, for another change of pace, I'm joined by my friends uh, Jennifer Longworth, who is the an, exec, an executive producer and editor for Bourbon Barrel Podcasting, and also a fellow songwriter who does lots of songwriting challenges, and Kito Tool, who is from the uh, podcast Talk More Talk, a solo Beatles podcast and a writer for uh, Something Else Reviews and Blinded by Sound. And she's also the writer of two books that everybody should have, which are uh, Songs We Were Singing, Guided Tours Through the Lesser Known Beatles Songs, and Michael Jackson, FAQ, All That's Left to Know About the King of Pop. How are you both? Going well. Kit, you sound amazing. We're just meeting. (laughs) What an awesome person I'm on here with. (laughs) <laughs> absolutely two awesome people and I'll, and i'll take the slack i'll take the slack 
<laughs> oh well thank you well and your credentials sound pretty uh, pretty amazing too jennifer because i'm i'm relatively new to the podcasting game so uh so i'm really uh you know interested to hear uh, what you have to say about the podcast business as well and and uh, and murph thank you so much for having me on the show yeah it's great it's lovely i'm at last having a show with the queen of all beatles media <laughs> Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much, Ed, for that one. <laughs> all his fault. <laughs> it is all of his fault. So what, what's everybody up to at the moment? Anything interesting? Just editing podcasts and got a new job and uh, trying to figure out how to balance a day job with editing podcasts. So we're, we're managing. <laughs> keep, keep writing any more books? Uh, yes, I am working on uh, a couple. I'm uh, working on uh, one that's a collection of um, my other great musical love, which is soul and R&B. I've been working on that for a while. It's a collection of um, writings that I've done over the years for uh, Blinded by Sound. Uh, and uh, it's about you know, I, I define soul music pretty generally. So it's uh, music from the 50s through probably the uh, 90s, 2000s. Um, and, uh, and I'm also starting work on a sequel to songs we were singing. Um, so uh, hopefully that will be uh, out in, uh, in the near future. Um, also working uh, tomorrow, or not tomorrow, uh, Monday, we'll be re- uh, doing a new episode of Talk More Talk, and uh, we'll be um, doing one um, on the 40th anniversary um, of uh, John Lennon's passing, although we're going to be talking mainly about uh, celebration of his life and uh, discussing his uh, legacy. So, uh, and uh, Al Sussman will be our, our special guest. Uh, many of the Beatles world know him, the executive editor of Be- Beatle Fan Magazine. So it should be a really special episode. So looking forward to that. That's great. So for everybody listening, when this episode goes out, that is that night when they'll be recording that show. Yep. November 30th. Yeah. November the 30th. So um, what sort of podcast do you listen to, Kit? You know, music related. Well, you know, mainly, um, surprise, surprise, a lot of Beatles podcasts because, um, you know, I, I, I know so many people um, in that uh, in that sphere, um, and there's so many good ones out there that it's it's hard to keep up with them all. Um, and uh, and so I I mainly listen to uh, ones like uh, when they was fab with uh, yep. your friend and mine um, Ed Chen and uh, Lonnie Pena, um, the Fab Four Free for All, which was probably one of the first. Um, I ever listened to uh, back when it was the Fab Forum um, and uh, changed its name to the Fab Four Free for All. Um, and, uh, you know, great, uh, great discussion with some top uh, Beatles experts. Uh, I've got a Beatles podcast is another one that I, I listen to for a bit more of an academic um, spin on the Beatles. Um, and uh, I've just recently gotten into one uh, called Nothing is Real, um, which is a podcast out of uh, Ireland uh, with uh, two hosts. Um, 
and uh, I hope I'm pronouncing them correctly, Jason uh, Cardi and Stephen uh, Cockroft, and, and uh, really intelligent discussion about Beatles and Solo. I, I really recommend it. Um, and uh, the just, as I said, just recently started getting into that. But um, just a number of them, things we said today, fans on the run, uh, a new edition this year um, to, uh, to the Beatles uh, podcast sphere. Um, and uh, uh, Two Legs, if you're a Paul McCartney fan, that's a great one uh, to listen to. Um, as I said, there are just so many out there now, so it's, it's hard to keep up with them, with all of them. Uh, but, uh, but they're really all, um, you know, excellent. And I think have really contributed so much, uh, to Beatles knowledge. Okay. Do, do you listen to, uh, a lot of music podcast, Jennifer? No, I don't. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> I was like, oh, music and podcasts. Interesting. But I, I, I don't, uh, no one, no one pays me to do it though. So I, I don't listen to them. <laughs> oh, this would be interesting because I was going to say, what, why do you think there's such a popularity of podcast about music? Well, because music talks to everyone, yep. you know, everyone can relate to music and everyone has a favorite genre or a specific song that speaks to them. And if they find someone else who has that love, then there's an instant connection. Yeah. And I, and I think too, that, I mean, you know, like no other time, I mean, this is, you know, I mean, before in fan communities, I mean, sure, you could get together in fan conventions or of course, concerts and things like that. But, uh, and there were fanzines, I mean, I certainly remember those. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, we all remember those. But, you know, I, I mean, there was no other way. I mean, if you, you couldn't, like, have your own radio station or anything like that. I mean, that was unheard of. Um, now, it is so easy to, and, and pretty inexpensive, um, you know, to just set up a right, a record, you know, mini recording studio right in your house um and uh and you know put together a podcast of course not just about music but i mean there are there are podcasts and, and i'm sure you could say more about this jennifer but you know podcasts about virtually any subject you can think of i mean they're just <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just exploding um and you know and and i mean it's, it's just anybody anybody can do it now i'm sure that's good and bad that everybody can, anybody <laughs> can do it <laughs> yeah um but uh but it's it's really a new way that that fans can connect and and there are some really good podcasts out there um that uh you know that really bring fans together and and where fans can express their opinions and and ones that are you know really good i mean you know really are extremely knowledgeable and um you know bring on guests i mean you know it's amazing how many guests uh, you know really well-known people will come on these podcasts and, and uh uh so it's it's really brought a whole new dimension to uh to fandom 
Because it doesn't stop at the podcast. The community continues outside of this listening too. And my favorite podcast, we have a Facebook group and then an offshoot group. And, and I know people from around the world because of a podcast. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's just phenomenal that, you know, how, as I said, how it's, it's grown. And, mm-hmm. and today, I mean, it, it, it's funny because I, I mean, and again, uh, Jeffrey, you can speak to this better than I can, but it seemed like, you know, in like maybe, I don't know, the late 2000s or maybe 2011 or so there, you know, it, there was like kind of the first explosion and then there seemed to be a bit of a lull and then it kind of exploded again, like, you know, mm-hmm. in the last few years. And I'm not quite sure why it like it had that kind of, there was a little lull and then it, and then now, now it's their podcasts, you know, galore. I think some of it has to do with celebrities starting podcasts. Mm. And people going, oh, well, the Obamas have a podcast now. I want to be like Michelle Obama. Let me (laughs) do a podcast. (laughs) You know, if she can do it, I can do it, you know. Um, I think that has a little bit to do with that. I think also the barrier to entry is so low and people are realizing that. And people, you know, here in COVID, things have gone out of stock because people are stuck at home going, well, what can I do at home? Wait, I can start a podcast. <laughs> I think it's made the uh, the media see it as a serious um, form of media in itself now, I think. Uh, so you've got mm-hmm. radio stations that are accepting it more and, say, and are seeing it because you've got people like the David Tennant uh, podcast, which is really good and things like that um i think it's made these people sit up and realize that yes this is something and also general listeners now are thinking oh they're doing a podcast i didn't know about that because these people like david tennant are advertising it on the twitter page and that's getting people to then listen to that because they're a fan of david tennant and because they're doing that i think it's possible that then they're thinking oh what else is there out there for me to listen to so yeah i think that's something that's helped towards giving it that big boost over the last few years mm-hmm. well and i think too that um you know that talking about when you were saying celebrities and all i think that um other you know in the terms of music um artists and all have recognized that you know, the number of people who listen to podcasts, because as I mentioned, uh, you know, more artists are going on podcasts to promote mm-hmm. their albums and, and so forth, because they're realizing, hey, people actually, you know, listen to these and then will will go by their, you know, after listening to an interview, they'll go buy their albums. And so you'll see more of them willing to go on on podcasts and mm-hmm. and uh, uh, be interviewed and everything. I mean, a number of you know people I know who who host podcasts. I mean, they can get some you know pretty you know you know not huge 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 stars, but a number of of well known musicians. And you think you know, gosh, you know, how did they get? And a number of them. I mean, they are absolutely they will go on these podcasts because they know if they've got a new album or a book or whatever to plug. They're smart. They think, hey, you know, these podcasts have big audiences. 
and uh, and so they're 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 happy to go on them to plug their latest book or or album or whatever it is uh, because the audiences for these have grown so much. They have, and also I think um, as we were talking before we started the show, uh, you know, twenty twenty with the COVID thing has been you know awful and terrible, but on the other hand. I think that these artists and their management are probably looking at this as, well, here's another way that we can actually advertise. And because we can't go into studios and actually do like sessions in studios, it's only another like half an hour into that artist's time. So perhaps he can do some plugging on these shows. And I think because they are stuck at home, I think these artists and these celebrities are open to doing these things a lot more. Absolutely. I mean, as an author, um, and, and I'm sure this this is for any author, whether it's music or whatever. I mean, I I mean, you know, I'm going to be coming out with um, another book uh, next year that I've uh, co-edited with Ken Womack, and um, called The Beatles and Fandom. And uh, one of the things that we're going to do to promote the book we're hitting podcasts. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. Um, because that's, I mean, you know, that's another thing with podcasts. I mean, you can hit targeted audiences. Right. I mean that, yeah, I mean, you've got, you know, you know that those uh, audiences listening to those particular podcasts, I mean, they'll be interested in your, in your book. And, uh, and so absolutely. I mean, that's a, that is a natural way to, to, to market, um, your book and and uh, so it's that will be a big part of our marketing strategy and uh, and and Jennifer I'm sure you know you've seen that too that that you know the podcasts are becoming more and more of a you know a marketing tool yeah absolutely I try to encourage businesses to use it as such so I have one of my clients is a realtor and she interviews community businesses to promote them, but also to make herself as the community expert. So, you know, going back to influencing your, or increasing your influence and your authority, you set yourself as the industry expert, as the authority, just through a podcast, because now she's not just a realtor, she's a realtor with a podcast, you know, and and just adding the, with the podcast there levels you up a little bit. And it helps build your brand. I yep. mean, it really does. Absolutely. And going back to what you were saying about finding your target audience, they say the riches are in the niches. And if someone's tuning into a Beatles podcast, then yeah, they're interested in the Beatles. <laughs> you don't have yep. to yeah. just throw out an ad campaign out into the void and hope that somebody who likes the Beatles sees it. You <laughs> already have a captive audience. You got it. Riches or the niches? I like that. I'm going to remember that. Yeah, isn't it great? (laughs) I like that. And there are plenty of Beatles podcasts out there for you to to go on and plug your book. That's for sure. I mean, it's it's just amazing how how they have, as I said, I mean, just the last few years alone. I mean, not just Beatles, of course, but just podcasts in general. I mean, it's just incredible how they've just exploded. You know, but uh, but one thing, and uh, Marv, I don't want to I don't want to take over. This is your show, but I wanted to ask Jennifer something. That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. 
yeah, that's I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to take over your show, but most but, guests talk more than I do. No, no. <laughs> but but I I would just I'd love to ask you know somebody who's really experienced with podcasting and now now I've got got one here, <laughs> so I I can't uh, can't let this moment go. So um, so uh, uh, Jennifer, you know, so as I was saying there that the good and you said about there's kind of a low barrier for entry and, mm-hmm. and all that. So what, you know, now that there is this, that's a good and bad thing. So I guess, what would you say makes a, a you know, a good, what are the qualities of a good podcast? Well, I like good audio quality because I'm an editor but that's not necessarily what makes a good podcast. You have to have decent audio quality to not scare off people who, I mean, I've turned shows off within the first five seconds if they sound like crap. So don't sound like crap, but you don't have to have a professional recording studio studio either. You have to have good content. You, you know, content is king. You have to have interesting content. And one of my friends says that, you know, they come for the content, they stay for the host. So you have to be able to provide value and connect with your listeners. Because my favorite podcast is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts me asleep. And we recently did uh, a little present for the host through the Facebook group and people submitted little thank yous. And we had over an hour worth of thank yous for the host because people have bonded with them through listening to the podcast. So they come to sleep with me because they can't sleep, you know? So there's a, it's like, well, I can't sleep. Here's this show that's supposed to put me to sleep. So they're coming to that for the content. But then once they're in it and see how vulnerable and raw and everything that Drew is, they're like, oh, okay. So now they love him (laughs) and they're staying for him too and and get behind him and everything. And it was pretty remarkable, but I I edited the, the little tribute so I got to hear all of them. It's not public. Um, we kept it confidential, but I was the lucky one to hear them all. Wow. <laughs> and it just the stories that people were telling you, like, oh, my gosh, just because of a podcast. So I think, you know, you have to have decent audio quality. You have to have good content and you have to be a personal host. So. Interesting. Yeah, because I just thought that was important when we were talking about that. I just thought that was an important follow up because, you know, it, it is great that that it is easy, easy, you know, easier to, you know, host your own podcast now. But that can be that's a good and bad thing. And so I just thought that was kind of an important follow-up to say that, yes, you can, yeah. you, you know, yes, it's easier to, to, you know, create your own podcast, but there are a lot of, you know, there, there are a lot of great ones and there are a lot of not so great ones. Yeah, I think part <laughs> of the not so great ones comes with people going, oh, I'm going to start a podcast and they don't have a vision. They don't know who their audience is going to be. They don't know really what they're going to talk about after the first five episodes. They just get on the mic and start rambling with no direction. You know, those are not good podcasts. You have to have more of a direction and more of a plan before you even get started. That is the truth. I think something else that's, uh, that's helped with it is the fact that in a way podcast 
are a uh, an extent of well not an extension as such but i think they work in line with the social media mm-hmm. so um you've got that contact between the um between the podcast shows and the actual social media because all podcasts have got their own social media pages and there's there's always a back and forth there i found with all the podcasts that i listen to that if i go on their sites uh, or their boards or their pages and i leave like a message there is that back and forth between them which uh before with with like radio a lot of the time you could ring into a radio station and they'd answer but it was very it was only the like every 100th phone caller or something would end up getting through whereas there is more of a closeness uh dare i say intimacy between uh between the actual people behind the show and their public because of this absolutely i think podcasts sometimes are a form of social media in themselves depending on the show yeah, and you've also got the thing that a lot of the shows are an extension of, um, like, like these Beatles podcasts and podcasts about other music and other, you know, films and this and that. That's an extension of the the natural social getting together of people where you get together with friends and you'd be discussing these subjects between yourselves and you try to outdo each other on what trivia you've got. So one person will say, oh, I know this about that. And then another person will say, well, you know that, but I know this. And these podcasts, a lot of them are an extension of that, where they are people just generally doing that, but in a show. Yep, and and that's true. Although yeah, with Talk More Talk, um, we try not to do that too much because I, I found that one of the things when we were, and, and, and Jennifer, you brought up a great point about when you're planning a show, uh, I mean, we really when um, I, I co-host it with um, it, there's there's five of us, although usually there's there's just four of us on camera. One person is one of the other people kind of joins in periodically. But we really I mean, we spent months planning the show out about what we wanted it to be and, and all. And one of the things that, you know, we really wanted was audience involvement uh because you know some of the other podcasts i've i've listened to i found were too like kind of insider i mean it was almost like the the hosts were um and and this is not any of the 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 podcasts i mentioned earlier so I'm i'm not referring to any of them but some others i've listened to it's it's almost like the hosts are just talking to each other and almost forget there's an audience there you know what i mean i mean they they just forget that that there's you know that they're actually you know i feel like i'm i'm overhearing two you know two people having a phone conversation or something and and there's yeah. insider jokes and they're trying to as you said kind of one up people or one up each other with with trivia and all and i thought you know i want the audience to know that i mean of course we know our stuff and 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 we you know we we know our subjects well but we really want to have a conversation with the audience and so that's why initially we do our show live. We do, it's a video cast. We do our show live. We really encourage audience 
you know, participation, discussion. We want to know what they think. We try to bring their comments into our show. And then when we uh, we put it up on YouTube after, you know, afterwards, and then we put the audio version up on Podbean and, you know, all the other places. And, uh, but we, you know, heavily encourage them to comment and we respond to as many of them as we can. You know, we really want to, engage the audience and know that, you know, we're not, let them know we're not just talking to ourselves. Yeah. You know, we really want a dialogue with them. And, and that's something that I really value in a, in a podcast that, that the hosts, you know, realize that there's an audience that they're speaking to, that they're not just doing it for themselves. Yeah. That's something that rings true to, to me in a way, the way that I've, um, the way that I've been doing doing this show myself um, is because jo- during this first season, because all the shows are pre-recorded, and um, I've I've only today uh, acknowledged that because of the fact that all the shows were pre-recorded for the most part, mm-hmm. um, it's made me realise that the that I, it's lacked that um, that side to it. So that that's why from uh, season two, I'm planning on having more of these shows where it's. A group chat because then it's a way for me to then before the show starts i'll acknowledge that audience and have that um uh dialogue with the audience so to speak it's so i've learned that through through just noticing that and being somebody who listens to a lot of shows i've thought hold on i'm missing this side of it so mm-hmm. that's something that i've thought i've got to do something about yeah, and I mean, you don't have to like do it live like we do. I mean, you know, that's that's just one approach. I mean, you know, most podcasts don't do that, but um, but yeah, I think there are ways that, that and and as both of you were saying, you know, using social media to encourage audiences to interact, you know, comment that kind of stuff, and um, but yeah, just to really you know, just acknowledging the audience and and just letting them know that you know you know that that you know you're broadcasting for them you know there's an audience there and and as i said there there just have been a couple of podcasts that i've heard and it, it just i i don't know about you guys but that just really turns me off when when i you know hear podcasts and it's just like i don't know that there'll be two people there and they're just sort of talking to each other and a lot of inside jokes and and just oh yeah inside know. jokes are terrible for podcasts don't do yeah that. i mean i i just hate that <laughs> you know i just think like it, they're just like why am i listening to this yeah <laughs> <laughs> i i mean like you know why don't you guys just just you know go go to another room and and just chit chat i mean you just feel like you're eavesdropping on a phone conversation or something like i don't want to hear this <laughs> Anyway, touching on something from earlier, then with the Beatles, they're still um, relevant to this day and age, even though they split up 50 years ago. So why do we think that there are certain acts like the Beatles, Elvis Presley, Michael Jackson, uh, Rolling Stones, uh, all these bands? Why do we think that they've got this, this sort of appeal that makes them relevant today to new listeners Whereas there's other artists that haven't got that, that have been left by the wayside. 
Boy, that's, you know, it, it, it's a tough question because I, I've, I've talked about this with, with other people, too, that, uh, you know, why have some artists, you know, had such a, you know, longstanding appeal and, and others haven't? Um, you know, I, I think with the Beatles, for example, um, you know, there's just something about their music that, that just hasn't you know, it doesn't sound dated. Um, and, and I think that's a, maybe a quality that, um, you know, Michael Jackson's music has too. Um, you know, that the, um, the sound of it just doesn't sound, I mean, you don't listen to it and necessarily think like with Michael Jackson's music too. Uh, That's maybe that's a better example. I don't know. You don't listen to it immediately think, Oh, that's eighties. You know, I mean, it's it's uh, like you listen to Thriller something and you, you don't automatically think, you know, boy, that's a really 80s sound. I mean, it just has mm-hmm. a, a really timeless quality to it, um, you know, and of course, one of the biggest tests is, I mean, you go to you go to a wedding, you know, you go to a wedding reception and somebody plays Thriller, the DJ plays Thriller, Billy Jean and everybody gets on the floor. I mean, it's, it's, just has that, that timeless quality to it. Um, and I think, um, universal themes help a lot too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in music of like the Beatles and, and, uh, Michael Jackson and others, I think, you know, if you have those, those kind of, you know, universal themes, whether it's, you know, love or, um, you know, in some cases, you know, sort of fight the power kind of messages, you know, timeless messages that that they're not dated, you know, they're never going to go away. I mean, John Lennon's Imagine, you know, that that song resonates through generations. Um, that helps, too. Um, I, I just think uh, and also, of course, nostalgia. Um, you know, I think people love feelings of nostalgia. So I think that that is another factor. Um, and certainly with the Beatles for first generation fans, that's a, that's a huge factor is they, they, you know, love feeling the nostalgia, but, uh, for me though, cause I don't have that. Um, I don't know. It's, it, it's just, to me, it's, it, they just have a timeless sound, you know, it's just not dated. Um, whereas you hear some other bands from the 60s which i still love but you you think yeah that sounds like the 60s you know i mean you just hear one note and you're like yeah that's you know <laughs> i can tell that's the 60s yeah. <laughs> and the beatles somehow don't sound like that no and you, you've you've also got a thing i think sometimes where some songs you, you date them if you mention things like um i don't know if if you um if you mention something that's spe- time specific, uh, like even if you mention technology from that time or a way that, yes. you know, if, if you mentioned in a song back in the eighties or nineties, or oh, I'll, I'll page you, then that yeah. automatically <laughs> dates it. You know, you're like, or oh, I'll send you a fax. That would automatically <laughs> date that song. Do, do you know what I mean? I, I don't, I can't think of any songs off the top of my head that do that, but. Fax me songs, a beer. Yes. <laughs> But, but there are songs that have done that over the years where that will automatically, you'll, yeah. It's almost like songs where you'll say, leave me a message on the answer phone. And you'll think, well, 
people that have answer phones now they have an answer service on their 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 mobile phone so everybody's got a mobile phone and you know it's uh, make perhaps that could be something that that dates things and makes them less relevant i don't know i think another aspect of timeless bands and stuff are the remakes of their songs which are also popular which just kind of shows you that it goes beyond the band sometimes even smooth criminal has been remade and the remake is is good too yep. uh -huh. i'm not going to say it's better than some people might, but I'm not because I like Smooth Criminal. It's one of my favorite MJ songs. I prefer Michael Jackson's version, but yes, yep. I like both. But yeah, me too. But you know, even that song remade, it's like okay, great. And I knew Beatles songs because they were sung by other artists before I knew them. You know, growing up in the '80s, I'm like, oh, because there was a lot of remakes, and I learned them, and also how they appear in culture anyway that they're used as popular culture. It goes beyond just this. It's like if it goes beyond just the song, that that's what makes it timeless. I can't think of any examples of that, but. No, that's a really good point about remakes. That That is a really good point because uh, yeah, I mean, that, that definitely helps to keep the, the artist music alive and, and shows that, um, you know, that, that the song is timeless. Like, you know, I'm, I'm an eighties kid too. And, uh, you know, I mean, like, I, just as you were saying that, you know, one song that popped into mind was, uh, you know, Simply Red had a had a hit with, uh, like, If You Don't Know Me By Now, Absolutely. Um, by, you know, Harold, originally done by Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes. And, mm. um, you know, I remember hearing that song back then, and that made me want to go back to find the original. And I did exactly the same thing. Yep, exactly. Yep. And. I'm since, you know, then became a huge fan of Philly Soul. Uh, I absolutely love Philly Soul. And, and uh, you know, that led me down the rabbit hole of, <laughs> of going into into that. And I'm, as I said, humongous fan of that era. And, um, you know, and you find out what great stuff that was. But, yeah, that, it just shows you what a great song that was because, yeah, that it was a hit. Uh, you know, it was a hit all those years later. Um, and it's not that different. I mean, the both, both versions are not that, you know, it's not that drastically different. Um, but, but that's a really good point. I think, yeah, that the, if a remake can be, you know, as almost as big a hit as the original, um, it does kind of show the staying power of that, of that song band. Um, yeah. So good point. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's a really good point and a, a good song to choose to get that point across as well. Because you, you'll some people you might hear a cover version of a song, and the, the great thing is when you hear that cover version and somebody mentions to you that it is a cover version, or you find out that it is, and then if you go down that rabbit hole of thinking, oh, I'll, I'll have a listen to the original version, and the the great thing is that when you do that, you suddenly get if you get suddenly get hooked on the original artist and their music as well that's so that that gives it a lasting power as well definitely absolutely i remember when um the movie when harry met sally came out and uh and i 
bought the soundtrack and it was you know harry connick jr and and uh he was covering all these um you know the great american songbook kind of you know and that made me want to go back and listen to frank sinatra and tony yeah. bennett and everything and i will always be grateful to harry connick jr for making me do that because <laughs> because you know now i mean i totally understand uh why everybody loves frank sinatra and i became a, a big sinatra fan after that and a, and a huge fan of the great american songbook i mean it's you know those talk about timeless i mean those songs sounded i mean that was a great example of, you know, you know, hearing them in that movie. And, and as a high school senior, uh, when I saw that movie, I, you know, I remember thinking, wow, these songs are great. <laughs> you know, wow. I got to listen to more of this. And, and so I bought the soundtrack, but then that made me want to say like, Hey, I think my parents used to talk about Frank Sinatra doing these songs. I think I'm going to check that out. And, uh, so, yeah, I mean, then went down that rabbit hole, then that King Cole and, you know, so, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's so again, just shows you how timeless those songs are, too. Dear me. As, as an aside, I was introduced to the song All The Way by, uh, it's a funny one, this, it was in an episode of uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and it was sung by James Darren. Really? <laughs> And I heard that and I thought, what a beautiful song. And he did the, It's Only a Paper Moon on there as well. And I thought, and then that, and then I thought, I'm sure that, that Frank Sinatra has done that on probably, and it's probably on a, an album that I've not got by Frank Sinatra. And I've got a few uh, compilations by him. And that's how I was introduced to those songs. <laughs> and I fell down the rabbit hole through that. <laughs> which, which is a strange way to come across those sort of songs, I suppose. Yeah. Well, look at how probably many of us were, you know, first exposed to classical music through cartoons, you know. Yep. yep. <laughs> Bugs Bunny in the orchestra, yeah. Yep. So, whatever it takes, right? <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, that all of this as well, that uh, having it on television shows and films and even cartoons, that, that keeps it relevant as well. I'm reminded of what your, your colleague um ken michaels on talk more talk says that always try to keep the music relevant um by always which is why he likes the idea of compilations because it mm -hmm. every so often it brings that music back to a, possibly to a younger audience it makes it makes it relevant to them absolutely absolutely i remember when um, and I'm sure you do too, when the Beatles one compilation came out in 2000, I couldn't believe how many of my friends bought that compilation and, and were acting like they had just discovered this music. I mean, it was just so funny to me. Uh, I mean, really, really, but Hey, if that's what it takes, that's great. I mean, really, and and I'm sorry, I have to go back to when we were talking about the 80s. I remember in, in uh, you know in high school when Ferris Bueller's Day uh, Day Off came out, and Twist and Shout was used in that movie, and a number of my friends. I was kind of the weird kid in in high school that Beatles when you know it was all like pop and beginning of hair metal and all that stuff, and and uh, 
that movie came out and Twist and Shout was used. And I mean, a number of my friends were like, whoa, what is this? You know, <laughs> and started buying the 45 of that. And, uh, you know, and, and I think that the, the record actually went back up the charts because of that. Um, and it was just so funny to me that, you know, but, uh, but that they had like just quotes discovered the song. Uh, but, uh, but again, whatever it takes, whether it's a compilation, a movie, whatever, that introduces new people to the music, that's great. Yep. Do, do you think the way that the music's made, do you think that is all produced? Do you think that helps with the longevity of the music, you know, how it appeals to people? I, I think so. I, I mean, I'm very much... Um, I'm, I'm, you know, and Ken talking about Ken Michaels, he's, he's probably, when he hears this, he's, he's going to roll his eyes because he always, he always yeah, he'll, gets, be gritting, he'll be gritting his teeth. Yeah. He'll be gritting his teeth, rolling his eyes, but I'm very much against like overproduction. Um, and I think the more, you know, the more overproduced it is, in my opinion, the more it dates it. And I'm very much for tasteful, you know, minimal production and twist and shout is a great example of a yes. record that is not overproduced. You know, well, it's, it com is, it's completely live. Exactly. It is just straightforward rock and roll. And I think that's why to this day, talking about wedding receptions, when that record is put on and everybody gets out on the floor, it is just, you know, as I said, straightforward rock and roll. Everybody sings along. It is a timeless record. Um, and I think that's why it's not dated, um, even though, you know, it was recorded in, in the early 60s. It still has, you know, it, it, it just still has relevance. People still love that record. So uh, whereas now, as I, as I said, you guys, I'm an 80s kid, too. But, you know, some of the records from the 80s are a bit overproduced. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it dates them. Um, and, and I still love them. I mean, they bring back great memories, but it does date them a bit. And so, you know, some of them haven't aged as well, um, as, as others. So, so sorry, Ken, but <laughs> overproduction does, doesn't do records favors in terms of, you know, of making them timeless. It's funny because you've reminded me by talking about Twist and Shout and it's basically its parent album, Please Please Me, that old album was recorded live. Uh, it's basically a live album without an audience there. Um, it reminds me of my favourite Van Halen album, which is the first album, which itself was just basically them going into a studio and just doing it there and then on the spot because they were so used to that material that's there and... Like I said, that's my favourite Van Halen album. It's got that urgency and that rawness, just like Please Please Me has. Yep, exactly. Exactly. Now, I know I know you both are songwriters, so, uh, you know, so I, I don't know if uh, what I'm saying is making you both cringe, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, because there are some records, like, you know, talking the, about the Beatles, some people would say, well, what about Sgt. Pepper? Because, I mean, there are some elaborate, there is some elaborate production on there. So, I mean, like Day in the Life and that kind of thing. But, you know, I don't know. That was done tastefully. 
um, in, in my opinion. I mean, that was done very, I mean, George Martin, I think, did that very, very skillfully. I mean, somehow that, that just does not sound overproduced to me. But uh, Phil Spector, you know, that's always an issue I have with him. You know, to me, a lot of stuff sounds overproduced. Um, but, you know, that's me. <laughs> it, that, that's a strange one because I also have a problem with Phil Spector a lot of the time as well with his production. I think it's over the top. But at the same time, uh, Brian Wilson, who is very much, who was very much a fan of Phil Spector, his productions of the Beach Boys, they haven't got that same feel to them as Phil Spector has, and I can't quite understand why that is. That's a good point. That is true. You know what I mean, Kit? Yep. Yet the, yet the Beach Boys songs, they don't sound like they're overproduced. They sound just like they're exactly they've hit the right point where they need to stop and not go any further than that. But, but it's almost like Phil Spector with his productions, he goes further than he should be doing. That is really true. That boy, that really makes me think. Cause yeah, somehow Brian Wilson does not go over the line. You're right. Yeah. And, and yeah, Phil Spector just always just, yeah. I, I know, I know it. I'm sure there are going to be some Phil Spector fans listening to this now who are going to say, how dare you? But uh, <laughs> I, li- I like the songs that Phil Spector has produced. Mm-hmm. I like the songs in themselves. Mm-hmm. I just, yeah. I just think that they're slightly too far. Yes. But you're right. Brian Wilson somehow never crossed that line. You're right. No, which I think that. Um, gives the gives the music that uh, that long that that lasting relevance to people where they listen to it and it makes it important today as it was back then yep i mean that's why pet sounds is still you know considered one of the, the greatest albums ever made you know because it's i mean parts of it i mean yes it's still you still listen to it and you think okay you know that's some of its 60s but uh, but it still sounds ahead of its time in many ways too, and the melodies are are timeless. Um, and uh, and so I think uh, you know, and that's an album that has really grown on me as the years have gone on. Like uh, to me, it's gotten even you know better and better. So, um, but uh, and and you know, I've appreciated it more and more. But it's it's a strange thing because, like like you said, you've got the. Um... You've got the almost live feel of things like Twist and Shout, but then you've got the produced of the, the Beach Boys. So how how do those two completely different sides of the production coin, how do how are they still, you know, relevant now, you know, more than 50 years later, even though they're from different types of production and different feel and everything? <laughs> That is a tough question. <laughs> it really is. It really uh-huh. is. Because, you know, good vibrations, I mean, which is, of course, we all still love that. I mean, you know, that song comes on and every. You know, like yeah. the sick songs in my head for the rest of the day on this podcast. That's the problem with talking about music. I'm like, oh, great. All those songs that <laughs> but that's... I'm sorry, Jennifer. Sorry. Jennifer. No, but that's, like, oh, but that's a good point, Jennifer, that, that, that these songs stick in your head. 
that's it. Yep. I mean, that's that's it. I mean, good vibrations sticks in your head. That is what makes them timeless. You know, I mean, that that is it. You know, that that's whether it's, you know, we're talking about twist and shout as straightforward rock or, or good vibrations as being a more elaborate production. That's what it comes down to, though. It, it's exactly that. They stick in your head. <laughs> that's why, why are uh, these songs earworms? Yeah. Why, why did why did they do that? Well, they've got their choruses are catchy as hell. Um, and, you know, you can sing along to them. Um, yeah. Yep. Sorry. Go ahead. I interrupted you. No, we were just acknowledging what you were saying. Oh, (laughs) sorry. Uh, (laughs) But no, but you know, they're catchy. You can sing along to them. Um, To uh, paraphrase Dick Clark, uh, back on American Bandstand, they've got a great beat, and you can dance to them. (laughs) I mean, it. It's. I Mm -hmm. mean, really. I mean, sometimes that's what it comes down to. I mean, that's that sometimes is is what it is, you know, the barest elements of of songs. But that but I mean, you you kind of nailed it there, Jennifer. I mean, that's that's it. They stick in your head. They're earworms. Yeah. Yeah. And I was talking to somebody the other day about is is another group that that have relevance or an audience today as well that have have stayed by, which would be the Carpenters. Mm -hmm. We're talking about those. And I was saying about um, I think when people do some songs that are famous that were by the Carpenters, I think if you do them a different way, they might not hit that mark quite like that. And I said that's probably because some of the sadder songs that they do, because they've because they've sweetened it by doing all that multi-tracking, which is the the signature of the Carpenters, I think that is something that's actually kept their music relevant and makes people still love that music, the music of the Carpenters now. Well, I also think too, I mean, um, Karen Carpenter's voice is just, uh, I mean, one of a kind. I mean, for me, when when I hear their music, I mean, her voice is just so distinctive and, and uh, you know, you just, you instantly know it's her. Um, and I, I think for, you know, just for me personally, because um, I, I kind of, I, I like some of their stuff. I, I don't like it all. But for some reason, as you said, I mean, because some of it, as you mentioned, is, you know, some of their material is quite sad. But her yeah. voice just carries it through. There's a, there's a sadness to it, but there's a sweetness to it. Um, I've, I've just never heard another voice like hers. And, and she just, just can can you know, she just grabs your attention immediately. Um, and I, so I think a good part of it is, uh, part of it is that mul- that multi-layered uh, uh, tracking, as you mentioned, that definitely is, is a big part of it because that's another, you know, as you said, a trademark. But also, boy, I don't know if, if they could have, you know, made it like they did without her voice. I mean, that is such a key part of their sound. Absolutely. Mind you, you've already mentioned, you know, um, Michael Jackson with Thriller and things like that. Well, you know what? I I was actually just thinking about this the other day because this is this is some some music that I think was not thought that it would last the test of time. But but it has. I was 
driving, running errands, and uh, the Bee Gees came on, uh, How Deep Is Your Love? And okay. I was, you know, thinking about that because, you know, of course, they were part of, you know, that that phase of the Bee Gees is part of the disco movement. And, of course, everybody, you know, the, the whole disco sucks thing happened and there was this backlash. But I think, though, ultimately um, there now I know their early stuff has certainly stood the test of time. But I think ultimately, though, the, the disco era Bee Gees has definitely um, lasted the test of time. And How Deep Is Your Love is is one of the, I think, one of the great ballads. Um, and, you know, I think even though it's it's part of that, that era, I still think ultimately, um, you know, their songwriting was just so good and, um, and their harmonies um, and the production <laughs> going back to yes. that. Uh, I think the uh, Barry Gibbs production oh, was just so good, really impeccable. Um, and as I said, the songwriting, the, the hooks they had, um, you know, so I think even though there was, you know, that backlash, um, you know, what there was the oversaturation of disco, I think in the end, um, I think now they are considered timeless. Yep. I think what helps uh, things like the Bee Gees is the fact that um, they, they lasted through that because there wasn't just the... Uh, the disco element to them were lo- there were lots of other elements to the band mm-hmm. a bit like go- going back to thriller you've got different types of music there because you've got the, like the rock riff or uh, rock riffs of beat it you know eddie van halen and steve lukather and yep. the toto guys and that uh so i think because you've got all that in there i think that lessens the potential for it dating as well because you've got so many different influences there in their music even in the you know so-called disco songs of the Bee Gees Mm -hmm. you've got different you know different elements there from all sorts of music yep yeah that's that's a good point yeah I think that is a good point that makes an artist that lasts is yeah variety that's true that is a really good point is yeah is is variety um that uh, yeah if you tend to stay in in one lane for your entire career that doesn't last so long yep uh and the same goes for other bands as well i mean i'd, I'd say the same for a band like uh, like queen who are still relevant now you know that's why they made that that uh, biography film about freddie mercury because their music always stay always changed over the years as well they never stuck to that one thing and they always mixed the different elements together that's true yeah but i remember you know years ago i mean there were a couple of songs you hear from queen that you can't believe like i i remember when i heard you're my best friend many years ago and i didn't know that was queen i mean you know so that's always amazing when you hear certain bands that and the hollies too i i remember that the the, the hollies uh really um you know that the, there are certain songs that don't sound like them at all i mean you're just uh you're really amazing how they can change their sound um and, and i mean talk about variety wow well yeah i mean with you're my best friend you've basically got a motown single there yeah exactly i i couldn't believe yeah when i was you know much younger i was like that's queen you know <laughs> yeah i was i was shocked but, but a lot of a lot of those songs that, that john deacon of queen wrote they've got that sort of um 
soulful, almost funk edging places as well. All of his songs have got those. Yeah. And then you'll get the big rockers. You'll get the, uh, the, the the overblown epics as well. It's so again, you've got artists there who are willing to mix the genres, which like 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 we've both said, you know, I think that helps with the longevity of of a of a band's um, influence and fandom. Yep, that's for sure. Absolutely. So it's it's just yeah, I guess so. There's a, there are a lot of factors that goes go into a band's longevity. That's for sure. I mean, so it's, yeah, it's beyond just a catchy hook. That's for sure. I mean, it's, it's goes into, you know, it's, it's a, about the variety of, uh, you know, of the band's material. It's the production. It's the uh, sound, you know, it's the, uh, the, the um, variety of sounds. I mean, it's a lot of different things. Yeah. And you've got the same going back to the Beatles. That, that's the same with the Beatles. They, they, were influenced and inspired by all different types of music. I mean, Twist and Shout was an uh, was it Isley Brothers? Yes, that was originally yep. the Isley Brothers. Yeah. So, so, so that's an old R and B number that they've rocked up. Yeah. Uh, so they were influenced by that. They're influenced by rock and roll itself. You've got country elements uh, that that mainly were probably George and Ringo initially. They were both very country. Mm-hmm. Um, but and then you've got R and well, even the blues itself as well back in the day so they've got multiple influences there that they threw into their music and music hall as well oh, i was going to say music hall i mean yeah it's a bit of everything it's just amazing how many influences they had uh, yeah so uh, so yeah i mean and and, and there were i'm sure I, i've had you know because we're kind of used to it being longtime fans but i've had people you know more casual fans say to me like they'll hear a song and and say like that's the Beatles, you know. So it's kind of a similar thing that that they have so many different, you know, sounds and and uh, you know they they don't sound like the same band. So it's uh, yeah, because they have so many different influences and have tried so many different genres. Yeah, I remember a friend of mine years ago. He came to visit me, and uh, I had the White Album on by the Beatles in the background, and he walked in as. Um, Helter Skelter started up, and he's a, he's a heavy metal fan, and he's like, "Whoa, what's this?" And I'm saying, "No, oh, it's the Beatles' White Album." And he's like, "No way!" <laughs> yeah, that's the song that usually shocks, you know, casual fans. Yeah, they're like, "That's the Beatles." You're like, "Yep." <laughs> and then they get even more shocked when you tell them that it's Paul. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> True enough. Yeah, but Paul's the ballad guy and the guy that writes all the old timey wimey stuff. Exactly. You're like, no. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, oh, dear. Are, are you there, Jen? Are you okay still? I'm here. I just don't have anything to add, so I'm just I know. And you, you sounded very busy in the background. <laughs> I tried to turn my mic off so you couldn't hear me dealing with my cats. Oh, your cats! <laughs> <laughs> they kept coming in and out, and in and out, and in and out. Oh, <laughs> so I'm like, okay. You you would you would have a big fan in Ken Womack with the cats, that's for sure. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, when you watch, I have a, a live podcast, the podcast editor mastermind show, and we do a live broadcast every other week, and somebody's cat is going to show up in the video 
every time somebody's got three of us have cats three of the four have cats and somebody's cat is going to show up and interrupt the show <laughs> yep uh yeah when we do our our live uh shows sometimes when when ken womack's able to join us yeah you'll, you'll be talking and then all of a sudden yeah cat will walk it right in front of the camera <laughs> yeah yeah th- there's no way that you'll miss gertie in that Nope. He does this. Sorry, that's an in joke. Yep. He does this series with one of his cats uh, named Gertie, and he he's like Ken is like the king of Photoshop, and he will Photoshop Gertie into like famous scenes of of history, and so he calls oh, it, nice. and and he has it like you have to find her in the picture. It's kind of like Where's Waldo? There's like Where's Waldo? Yeah. Yep. Oh, okay. And he does so. It's uh, what does he call it? Gertie. Uh, cat witness to history and he, <laughs> he photoshops her and, and i mean sometimes it's really hard to find her i mean he's oh, he's really yeah. good at this i i can scratch my head for absolutely oh almost an hour or something sometimes i'm thinking where is that darn cat i know i finally i finally threw in the towel once and 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 wrote uh, on there and said, for God's sake, somebody just show me where she is because I'm, I'm, I've been staring at this forever and I'm getting a headache. <laughs> oh. And so, so finally he gave me a hint and I'm like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I can sleep now. <laughs> so yes, he's, yeah. You and Ken would get, you guys would get along very well. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And Ken has written a boatload of books as well. Oh, yes. He he has written a ton of books, that's for sure. Yeah, really. I don't know how he does it. Anyway, I think that was a good chat, I do. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Jen, have you got any advice for, you know, for your advice corner? Well, we touched on a lot of it earlier in the show so i'm like okay what did i not touch on or what but i'll just reiterate what we talked about uh earlier is going into it with a plan and not just rambling on the mic because what makes a good content is or good podcasts a lot of is the content and a relatable host so just inside baseball going back and forth between you and your buddies just for fun on a microphone that doesn't make a good podcast so um, go into it with a plan and don't just ramble. Are there any podcasts you would recommend listening to a, like, you know, about podcasting? Like if you're. Interested? Yes, absolutely. School of podcasting with Dave Jackson is number one. The school of podcasting.com. You can find out more there. Uh, refer Dave to, people all the time because he's a podcast coach so he actually has the school of podcasting so you can take classes from him and get some coaching in addition to just listening to the show so that's uh also if you want the geeky stuff and really dig into stuff i recommend the feed the official lipson podcast lipson is one of the media hosts out there and they'll give you stats and what's going on in the industry and Lots of good stuff like that. So the feed and school of podcasting. Okay. Thank you very much. Have you got any podcasts that you'd suggest to people, Kit? 
Uh, well, I mean, basically, um, all the ones uh, that I mentioned, uh, the ones that uh, the Beatles uh, podcasts that uh, that I listen to regularly, that uh, many um, of uh, my friends host, uh, 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 as I mentioned, Fab Four Free For All, uh, Two Legs, When They Was Fab. Um, I've got a Beatles podcast, Things We Said Today, uh, Fans on the Run. Uh, nothing is real. I'm sure I've I've missed some that uh, that I've uh, unintentionally omitted, and I apologize if uh, if I have. There are so many great uh, Beatles podcasts out there. I encourage you uh, all to uh, to check them out if you're a if you're a Beatles fan or solo Beatles fan. Um, and of course, uh, you can check mine out. Uh, talk more talk a solo Beatles video cast. Okay, and as a bit of a uh, advertisement for people, we are actually going to do a special episode of Pods Like Us during the season break, where me and Ed Chen are inviting people from other Beatles podcast to take part in a uh, a special group chat all about Beatles podcasting. Very cool. Awesome. Thank you very much. So... Uh, Anyway, Kit, where can people find you and uh, can you give them information on Talk More Talk and anything else that you're doing? Sure. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. Um, my uh, my professional writer page is uh, Kiddo Tools Keynotes, so you can uh, look that up. You can also find my uh, my website, uh, kiddotool.com. Uh, as for Talk More Talk, uh, you can find us on Facebook. Uh, just look up uh, Talk More Talk, a Solo Beatles video cast. Uh, we broadcast uh, every other Monday at 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, you can also find us on our YouTube channel. Um, and uh, we put up the live episodes after we've uh, finished uh, broadcasting. And please uh, subscribe and you can uh, be notified of all our new episodes. You can also listen to the audio version of our broadcast um, on Podbean and virtually any other podcasting platform you can imagine, wherever you you prefer to get them. Um, and uh, so, and, and please subscribe there as well. And uh, I think I think that's everything. Thank you very much. And uh, Jennifer, any way that people can get in touch with yourself? My website is bourbonbarrelpodcasting.com. My handle across social media is at KY Podcasting because I'm in Kentucky. So KY Podcasting. I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn, all the places. I'm on Twitter, but I'm not active on Twitter these days. I just kind of have gotten busy with other things and haven't been paying attention to my poor little Twitter, but. Me too. That's what... <laughs> okay. um, it's like I was really good on Twitter for a while, but uh, not recently. While we're at it, since you mentioned that show that you do, is it every fortnight? You can let people know about that as well. Yeah, uh, what's called the Podcast Editor Mastermind. And you can find us at podcasteditormastermind.com. I forget if it's editors or editor mastermind should try both and we're about every other thursday uh with the holidays it's, it would have been yesterday but we skipped it because it was american thanksgiving so we'll be back on track in december and there's four of us or we have a guest and we rotate out and we talk about the business side of podcast editing 
not necessarily the tech stuff, but like we're talking about goal planning or we had someone on about marketing. I think we've had that on a couple of times, you know, we've, we've talked about possibly getting someone on about bookkeeping, but we haven't done that yet. You know, this, but things that editors need to consider as business owners. So that's what we try to talk about. So podcast editor mastermind. Great. Okay. And you can find pods like us by doing a search on Instagram and we have a Facebook page as well. And uh, also, if you, not that I check it very often either, uh, you can find me on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash Martin Quibell. Anyway, thank you for joining me for this chat, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Thank you very much. And thank you, everybody, for listening and hope you listen again to another episode of Pods Like Us. Hello, hello. Hello, Kit. I'll take it off mute so you can hear me. (laughs) (sighs) How are you? Nervous now that I've got a professional. (laughs) Oh, hardly. (laughs) Uh, Yes, terrible news about Brian. Oh, my God. I'm shocked. So am I. Yeah. I mean, geez. Yeah, I was on their show uh, once and... uh, you know, and they, I mean, of course, I didn't get to see, you know, meet Ryan in person, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, was really a nice guy and, yeah. and, uh, wow. Yes. Just absolutely shocking. Yeah. I, I was only talking to him, oh, must have been Tuesday, I think, because we're supposed to be recording on next Tuesday. Oh, my God. Uh, wow. He's supposed to be on Pods Like Us next week, him and Chris, but oh, obviously geez. not now. Yeah. 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 Oh my God. Nice wow. guy. Oh yeah. He he was really a nice guy. And yeah. uh and I had a lot of fun on their show. Um I uh yeah, went to uh, uh Chris actually lives in Chicago. Okay. And uh teaches at Northwestern University. And so I went there to uh you know record uh, with him and of course ryan's in la and and so uh you know he was recording there and uh and you know we had a, a great time and and uh yeah i mean it was uh i mean i just was stunned to find that out last night wow yeah absolutely jeez i mean wait <clears throat> you just never know no sorry it's getting kind of a small group but here in the u.s it's thanksgiving weekend so it's uh harder to get people yes yes i've uh, i've realized that i've picked, I've picked yeah i've picked the <laughs> wrong weekend to record a group chat yeah <laughs> that's <done> why <laughs> should have done it last i should have done it last week and put and done the episode with ed have that come out on monday instead oh no that's all right but <laughs>
<laughs> I bet that was fun to do. He's a good guy. Ed, Ed is a lot of fun, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think he's picked up on episodes before where I've said about, we've all mentioned that Ed is like the uh, the great editor. Yeah. <laughs> and he does really, he's really good at editing shows together. Yeah, he is. He really is. Yeah, because that's something that, you know, I I haven't really done a, a lot of, um, you know, when I put the shows out, I don't do a ton of editing with uh, with our live shows because uh, when I you know put them out on YouTube and and uh, on the you know audio because I you know they're really just a, doesn't need to be a ton of editing, but uh, you know, and we don't use music. Yeah, you know, we we're we I I don't want any you know any trouble, so I stay away from that. I do music, so I met her through doing um, uh, songwriting challenges. Oh, cool! On, online, which is yeah, different. Mm, nice. At least it's given me two good uh, theme tunes. Anyway, one for the t- front and back. So. Oh wow! Oh, that's great. Well, and you know, and you've been great with you know full steam ahead with me. Already, you're you know done with your first season. No, I'm shocked. <laughs> really am. And I've already done three or, I think, three episodes for the next one as well. Jeez. See, I, talk- see? I mean, you're you're just full steam ahead. I, I know. I know, yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yep. So uh, I've, got, I've got Ethan's bad language to edit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And- yeah, I've had to tell him, and he'll be on Talk More Talk at some point, and I'm I'm gonna, yeah, I've and I've told him, and you know, that's like you know, it's a family show, Ethan. <laughs> they do. It's the year that we can't wait to be over with. <laughs> exactly. Good lord, honestly. But, uh, but well, and, and whenever, uh, you want us just, uh, you know, let me know and, and we'll, uh, you know, I know it's hard to get all of us, but we'll, we'll do the best we can and, and, uh, you know, pin us all down for, a you know, for an interview. Yeah. Or, you know, even, even if I get the majority of you, it's better than, than nothing. And I exactly. Even yeah, I- show with other people from the show or something. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, if we can't get all of us, it's, you know, as many as possible, we'll, we'll make it happen. Yeah. So, so long as I get at least the, uh, the, the, the three musketeers. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> three musketeers. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. <laughs> oh, I like that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's hard to believe we've been doing that for a couple of years now. It's really, uh, time really flies yeah and thinking about it it must be taught more it must be take it away then that i was introduced to you for the first time and um wasn't ed on it as well at one point um i think he was i'm not sure yeah i'm not he probably was no it probably was yeah yep so uh, yeah that's uh, that's right. Yeah, I it was really a fun show to be on, and and, uh, and they kept you on your toes. I mean, they they, uh, they knew yep. their knew they knew their stuff. They did. 
Anyway, one good thing to come from 2020 is the new McCartney album, when we eventually yeah, get it. That's right. Yep. And uh, yeah, in fact, I, I, before I came on here, I was uh, messaging with the guys because we're debating, we're thinking about, you know, with our every other week schedule, we'd normally do an episode December 14th, but we're thinking about bumping that to December uh, 21st so we can review the album because good old Paul messed with our schedule. (laughs) I know. How dare he? If it was the week when it was supposed to come out. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We had it all set up. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks, Paul. He, he must have forgotten your schedule and thought that got the week wrong. Exactly. That's all we can figure. Yep. <laughs> so. yeah, it's, it's like Ed said, eventually he's going to end. Paul will end up coming on all of your shows as well. That's what we yeah, need. He better. Yeah. Yes. Yep. He, he owes us. <laughs> he does. Especially we're changing the dates. Yeah, exactly. He totally messed up our schedule. So, you know, so now now he owes us and and all the stuff we've bought. I mean, Tom alone, you know, all the. There she is. Here I am. Hello, Jen. How are you doing? I'm all right. How are you? Sorry for the delay. That's OK. No problem. We're just chatting. Great. As it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah, happy Tom. belated birthday. Thank you, Jen. Thank you very much. Yes, happy birthday. Carrot cake for my birthday cake. Nice. Yum. And hi, Jennifer. Nice to meet you. You too, Kit. Yeah, the, the only thing that 2020 is not helped with, with the Beatles is it's pushed pushed uh, all the other stuff out to 2021, I suppose. Yeah, the Let It Be stuff. Yes. Yeah, we've got the... the uh, box set the the uh doc, you know of course the the new documentary the remastered documentary the book all that stuff yep yep and uh, of course they well is it have they said actually whether in whether plastic owner will be january or is that announcement coming in january that's a bit of a strange one that they've put up there yeah i'm not sure i mean i just got the book uh, the other day, but yeah, but the, supposedly the box set was coming out, you know, in December. But yeah, we haven't heard a word about it, so I don't know that's happening. I'm sure Ken will find out before anybody else. That's right. <laughs> Ken always has the inside scoop. He does. <laughs> he does. Okay, let's have a look. Whew. How did that go? What do you think? I thought it went well. Sorry, I got silent, but I was listening and it had absolutely nothing to add. Okay. <laughs> I was like, they are doing fine without me. I turned my mic off and chased my cats out of the room and a cat ran out from under the bed. I was like, oh, hi. So I hope you didn't hear any of that. That's what I, I, I thought we did really well. I was a bit worried before. Yeah, before the yeah that was yeah. an interesting conversation. Definitely. I'm, I'm, Glad I had something to add here and there because when I looked at the topic and thought about it, I'm like, I do not have anything to add on this <laughs> at all. I got nothing. When you said that, well, about and I was glad I could selfishly I thought, ask some questions because I'm. Go on, Kate. Go on. <laughs> yeah. No, I was saying I was glad I, I could selfishly ask some questions about podcasting because I'm, I'm still <laughs> learning. And so I was like, well, now that I've got you here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fine. I'm happy to, happy to talk about podcasting anytime. 
so uh, so yeah that was great i think you do a great job with the the podcast and getting it out there okay well yeah but i'm you know still still learning some some skills and and uh, i mean i was kind of uh you know, kind of learning. Uh, I mean, I had done a little bit of, of research on my own before as I thought about getting into podcasting some years before and then, you know, it just didn't happen. And then, um, you know, in 2018, when a couple of, of the guys approached me about doing uh, Talk More Talk, I then, you know, started researching it again. And luckily, it had gotten a little easier um, to, to do podcasting by that time. So like, I, I think when I first started looking into it, I don't remember Podbean existing and, and uh, you know, it was, uh, I, I remember things like feed burner and things like that. I don't Yeah. Remember. Good old feed burner. I used Podbean with feed burner to do multiple shows back in the oh, day. Wow. Yep. Yeah, I, I just I just remember it like years ago being a little more complicated, and uh, you know now it's you know much easier, and uh, so you know it's uh, so I've been kind of learning on my own, but uh, but yeah, I was I was curious about you know finding out about podcasts about podcasting because I thought hey I you know always want to pick up some tips and and uh all that so uh, yes so that was full of podcasting totally listen to that she podcasts is good but okay school school of podcasting is is top notch oh that's great yeah and he's well, out every monday he releases okay. an episode every monday oh that's great so great so yeah thank you i appreciate that okay Thank you very much, ladies. I'll uh, leave you to your day. That was brilliant. Thank you for chatting with me. Thank oh, you. Thanks, thanks Marvin. Nice meeting you, Jennifer. You too. Hi. All right. Thank bye you very bye. much. Take care. Right, bye. You're most welcome. Bye-bye.